Hello, I'm Steve Rash with Capital City Law. And I'm Jen Wolf with Wolf Legal. On this episode of Can't Take It With You, we're going to talk about power of attorney documents. Jen, what is a power of attorney? A power of attorney is a power that you are granting to someone else to act as your agent if you are still living but become incapacitated or for some reason can't make your own decisions. So you are putting into effect a power for someone else to act as your agent to make those decisions on your behalf. And a power of attorney, I think it's important for people to realize, is they're stepping in to really step into your shoes, act as if they are you managing your financial accounts, paying your bills, taking care of all those things that you can't because you're incapacitated. When we talk about power of attorney documents, one of the common questions that comes up is, are we talking about a financial power of attorney or a healthcare power of attorney? And right now we're talking about a financial power of attorney. Right. So this is the document that you would authorize someone else to pay your taxes, handle your banking, buy and sell real property, um, close down any sort of subscription mail services you may have, handle your mail, any of those administrative or business functions that you would need someone else to take care of if you were unable to do them yourselves. There are different powers that we put into a power of attorney document. One thing that uh, one of the questions that often comes up is what is the difference between a durable power of attorney and just a power of attorney? Jen, can you explain what that means? I actually was just chatting with this uh, with a client this morning and she was looking over her power of attorney and had the question. So when does this actually become effective? When does this when does this kick in? And if you have a durable power of attorney, what that means is you are granting someone the authority to act as your agent as soon as that document is signed. So it's very powerful. They are able to step into your shoes at any time. There's not a lag time. They don't need to wait. They're able to act on your behalf immediately. And Steve, contrast that for us with what would it mean if you had a client who had signed a springing power of attorney? Yeah. So a springing power of attorney is where you, in the power of attorney document itself, it has a clause that tells us when that power of attorney becomes effective. Oftentimes, we will use that in a situation where We look at it and we decide, well, we don't need somebody to act as a power of attorney right now for me, but on an event of, for example, incapacity, where we have a definition of what incapacity means, then the power of attorney document becomes effective. There's been a lot of debate, particularly here in Idaho, as to the use of those different types of powers, whether we want it to be an immediate or a springing power. And, you know, I don't know that there's, we've come to any answer there. I think they both work, but it really depends on your dynamic with your family. And I would say typically with my clients, I do advise to go with a durable power of attorney simply because typically when someone needs to step in and act as your agent, they need to do so immediately. Something has occurred and you're not able to handle your own affairs and so they need to step in and assist. And we don't want to have to wait for the time that it would take for physicians to certify that state of incapacity. We want them to be able to act immediately and do what needs to be done. So there is back and forth and you know it really does, as Steve said, depend on family dynamics and making sure you are appointing someone that you feel comfortable with holding that power. But that is um, one of the questions to talk through with your attorney when you're looking to get your power of attorney drafted. The other question that comes up is, why would you have a power of attorney that isn't durable, meaning it doesn't go beyond your incapacity? 
we have run into that situation on occasion where there is a power, you know, somebody comes in with a power of attorney document and the power of attorney document says, you can act for me while I am not incapacitated. And that has been a confusing situation because in reality, what you want that power of attorney to be able to do is be durable, meaning it's going to act when you are unable to be able to do that. The other type of situation that we run into is a general power of attorney versus a limited power of attorney. What scenarios, Jen, would we have where we may use a general versus a limited power of attorney? So an example I give to describe that is I actually have personally been granted a limited power of attorney on behalf of a friend of mine. She was out of the country and they were set to close on their home. They were going to buy a new, a new piece of property. And she granted me a limited power of attorney to sign on her behalf purely for that real estate transaction. So I couldn't act as her agent in any other regard, but I was able to step into her shoes and help them close on their house. Versus a general power of attorney, if she had wanted me to be able to step into her shoes to handle any of the numerous um, business functions that we do in day-to-day life, she would have granted me a general power of attorney. But in this particular instance, a limited power of attorney was all that was needed. And that's the prime example, is when somebody needs, they're out of town, they need somebody to just be able to act for them in a real estate transaction. That's usually where we see the the, the distinction come up. So Steve, okay. let's let's look at... There are some very specific powers that one could grant, you know, as we're talking about what is included in a general grant of a power of attorney. There's some really specific powers. And in Idaho, we have some specific considerations, especially as it relates to gifting. So if you were trying to give someone the power to make gifts on your behalf, talk a little bit about what would be entailed there. Well, when we run into that situation, and and the statute is very specific, it says if you're going to grant that gifting power, you need to have that actually drafted specifically within your power of attorney document that you're granting that power. A gifting power is a very powerful power that you can grant because what you're saying is I give this other person that I've named as my power of attorney the ability to gift away my assets whether that be to family members or really anybody, because when you put a power of attorney in there, that person is acting in your stead. And so the gifting power is one where it could be a situation where if you granted that power and the person, you've really got to trust them that they're going to do the right thing because they could really cause your estate to be in a bad way if they do something that's not right. And another question that comes up is, and I know this has been sort of an issue you've helped your clients work through, but what do you do if your bank or financial institution is unwilling to accept that power of attorney? Yeah, and this has been a, a problem here in Idaho and in that so much so that the Idaho legislature at one point a few years ago came back and, and um, updated the power of attorney statute here in Idaho to put some more, well, for lack of a better term, teeth into the penalties for a institution such as a bank not willing to honor a power of attorney. The most common scenario is the power of attorney walks into the bank. They need to use the power of attorney because they need to access those financial accounts. And the person at the bank says, well, we cannot honor this power of attorney because it's stale or it's the date on it is too old. Well, then that creates a situation where the person that granted the power of attorney may be incapacitated and the person that has the power of attorney needs to actually be able to act. But you have an institution such as a bank that will not honor that. And that can be a very 
serious situation where your power of attorney needs to be able to take care of you, but they can't because the bank's not willing to move forward. And so the statute basically comes in and says that a financial institution cannot consider a power of attorney stale just simply because of the date. And so it is something we still run into, though. We still run into situations where banks sometimes look at that and say, well, I don't like it because it's too old. It's not a legitimate reason. I mean, I understand why a bank may be skittish because they don't want to be sued. But again, I think the power of attorney statute also absolves them of any kind of responsibility if they take action based upon the representation of the power of attorney. So we've been talking about uh, what we had termed as a financial power of attorney or someone able to help out with your business affairs. The other really important place to designate an agent to act on your behalf is in a healthcare power of attorney. And in a healthcare power of attorney, you're saying if you are still living, but you're incapacitated and so you can't make your own medical decisions, you're naming an agent to be able to step in and make those for you. And so that's something that is a real gift to your family because you're allowing them to know who's the person that should be able to make those medical decisions and and interface with the doctor on that behalf. Yeah, and, and most medical institutions, a hospital, a doctor's office, if if you are in a situation where you cannot make your decisions, and what, that would be whether or not, I mean, it could be simply because you're unconscious because you just came out of a surgery, right? Or it could be you're unconscious because you were in an accident and you had a, a you know, a brain injury of some kind. So the power of attorney is very important because you want somebody to be able to step in to be able to say, yes, I want them, you to continue care or do this particular procedure or give this particular medication. If you don't have a power of attorney, healthcare or medical power of attorney in place, then there are some statutory provisions that step in, uh, allowing a spouse or family members to make some decisions. But it's not as good as having that power of attorney there because the power of attorney oftentimes, well, always, gives specific instruction as to what that power of attorney can do. So the when we're talking about these power of attorney documents, it's important to understand that power of attorney documents, you're granting that person a lot of authority over your finances, over your person uh, when it's with the healthcare exactly, power of attorney. Exactly. And so the person you choose is very important. So just be cautious and be wise in who you choose to be your power of attorney. 